a lot of people, what happens is they start making more money, guys, and then they upgrade their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make more money and not necessarily go where I wear, you know, built basics clothes that I bought two years ago. But I wanted to be able to upgrade my lifestyle a little bit to the few things that I enjoy, like driving a nice car, wearing a Rolex, flying on a private jet. That's about the extent of it that without having to invest a ton of income and then become broke trying to look rich. Alright guys, welcome back to the Light It Up Podcast. If you're new to this channel and you want to know everything there is about making money in real estate, selling sales skills, building your business, or investing, then subscribe below, tap the bell for notifications so you can be the first to know what makes our great guests so successful. Let's talk about adding leverage. So we've been getting a lot of calls of people asking us how we've hired virtual assistants to scale and leverage our business. So we've opened up our playbook to all of you. If you're looking to add leverage in your business, whether it's administrative support, ISA, outbound callers, go to adleverage.com and they'll be there to help you staffing your team. All right, guys, we're excited today to have us with, uh, have some time with Ryan Stuman. He's an entrepreneur, millionaire, mentor, author, and CEO of Hardcore Closer. Thank you so much, man, for spending some time with us. Yeah, what's going on, fellas? Glad to be here. All right, awesome. All right, as usual, we like to start with the lightning round. So some questions to break the ice and get to know you better. All awesome. right. Audio jungle. Let's roll here. Ryan, what chance encounter changed your life forever? Man, I know this and I can imagine it to still to this day. I'm 44 years old. I was 21 years old. No, I'm sorry, 22 years old. And I worked at a car wash in Plano, Texas. Fresh out of the penitentiary, I went in there for selling drugs. Embarrassing moment in my life, but shit happened. And I did what most losers that leave prison do. They went and get a job at a car wash or something that's a low paying job. And I worked my ass off at that place and learned everything. Dude, I could still to this day go into any car wash in America, take it down, put it together, sell it, drive it, flip it, run it, dry it, everything, right? So I just, I knew that I had no chance in life if I didn't just become the best at whatever it was that I that, that I was doing. And the opportunity in front of me was washing cars for $7.55 an hour. Hmm. And one day I'm working there and it was on a Friday. And I'm working there and a lady named Monica Hubbard, she's passed away now, shows up in a brown Lexus and she says, every time I come to this car wash, you sell me a car wash and then you usually vacuum my car. Then you drive it on the track and spray it off. And a lot of times you're up front wiping it off when I leave. Does anybody else work here? And I said, yeah, there's a lot of people that work here, but my job is to control the, the labor ratio to cars wash. So the, the better I work on this ratio, the more my bonus is every month. And so I try to do most of the work myself so that I can make more than just the $7.55 an hour that I work here for. And she goes, I'd like to offer you a job. And I said, I mean, I have a job, but what do you got? And I'd never been offered a job before. I went and applied for jobs, but I'd never been recruited or offered a job before. And she said, I work in mortgages. And I went, what was that? What is that? Hmm. And she goes, well, you know, like you get a home loan for for buying a house. And I said, oh, I don't know anything about credit. I mean, I have a 1968 F-250 over here that I paid $1,000 cash for. I pay my rent in cash. I don't even have a credit card. So, you, you know, I appreciate the job offer, but, you know, I probably wouldn't be a good fit for that. She goes, oh, no, I, I can teach you how to do it. I mean, that's what I do for a living. And I thought, OK, well, there's a bigger problem. It's not like I went around telling everybody I was a felon and stuff, you know, and she goes, I said, well, there's a bigger problem. I'm a convicted felon. 
And she goes, well, what did you get in trouble for? I said, I got in trouble for selling cocaine. And she goes, oh, hell, you'll fit right in in the office. They'll love you. <laughs> and the next day I, I said, well, let me think about it. And I got her phone number. And you know, she was probably a 50-year-old woman and I'm a 22-year-old man. And so it wasn't like a, a weird thing or, you know, some hot chick that I just happened to be wiping off her car or whatever. And the next day, the owner of the car wash shows up and I ain't seen this guy in two years. And all of a sudden he shows up and he's hung over and he's been fighting with his wife. He starts yelling at me and cussing at me. And I just handed him my keys and said, I'm going to go work in mortgages. <laughs> right. <laughs> I showed up that Monday dressed in what I thought was fancy clothes, you know, Dickies work boots and a button up polo shirt from Kohl's. And everybody in the office was wearing Gucci suits and Armani belts and all this fancy stuff. And I showed up at seven 30, the office didn't even open till 10. And uh, cause I called her that Sunday and she said, yeah, just show up on Monday. And man, I worked. She said, listen, you can become a millionaire working here. If you're serious about this and you treat it seriously, you can become a millionaire. I noticed all the people that worked there would show up at 10 and then go have martini hour about 2 PM in the afternoon, much like realtors and loan officers today. Mm -hmm. Right. And I committed to where I work 12 hours a week, 12 hours a day, seven days a week at the car wash. So I committed to doing that same thing, reading, writing, learning everything I could about mortgages. That year was 2004 in about October, I believe it was that I left. In 2005, I made $773,000 and absolutely changed my life. I've been a millionaire ever since. Wow. Amazing, man. That's Damn. a great story. How do I even have another question to match that? Then, um, <laughs> all right. Well, then we're gonna build off that. Yep. What's the hardest decision <laughs> you've ever had to make? The hardest thing that I have ever done, which is a decision that I made, is to always keep my word. And I mean, it's it's literally the hardest thing. And I know a lot of people say, "Always keep my word," but you're not gonna find anybody said Ryan's lied to me. Ryan owes me money. Um, even when I was in the dope game, went into prison, you know, I went in there, I didn't snitch on anybody. I didn't have debts that I owed to anybody. I wasn't in gangs. I didn't have a violent background, none of that stuff, man. And when I got out in 2001, I told myself, I said, I'm not going to do anything in the dark that I wouldn't do in the light. I'm not going to do anything behind cl closed doors or tell anybody a story behind closed doors that I wouldn't put out on Times Square in front of a pastor. Mm. And I have stuck to that. And that is literally the hardest things because sometimes you give somebody your word and they don't keep their word with you. Sometimes, you know, you, you think something's going to work out, Hey, I'm going to hire you and you're going to be a great employee. And then they don't work out. Sometimes, you know, there's been plenty of times in my life where I gave somebody my word on an investment and I ended up eating the loss on the investment because the deal didn't work out because nothing's perfect. You know, we're not all batting a thousand here in the real estate or any investment world, but it has been the single hardest thing that I've ever, it's, it's mentally exhausting, emotionally deteriorating. But in, in the end, I don't answer to man, I answer to God. And one day I'm going to get up there to heaven and I'm not going to have to explain why I lied and broke my promises and all this to everybody else. And I, I made that decision, like I said, in 2001, and I have, I've stuck to it all these years later, man. And it's, it's been very tiresome, man, but it's been worth every bit of it for sure. Yeah. Definitely respect that. Beautiful. Who had the most influence on you growing up? Well, I was adopted at age six or seven, so I didn't have a dad. And when I was 16 or maybe 17, I started dating this, this chick named Ashley. And I ended up later on in life marrying her and we have a kid together. We're divorced now. But her father is a guy named George Farr. I get a little uh, emotional thinking about him because he's 83 uh, years old. I just saw him last night. And uh, when I picked my kid up over there, 
and he is the greatest human being. This is me saying this about my ex-father-in-law, by the way. I'm remarried with three other kids, but he's the single greatest human being I've ever met in my life. He was a guy that I wanted to model my life after. He was the CEO of Children's Hospital here in Dallas for 37 years. Beautiful family, beautiful house, the dad that I never had, and uh, still to this day, you know, walking over there and seeing him last night. And I see him all the time, you know, because I got to go pick my kid up and stuff. And my office is literally half a mile down the street from their house. And my ex-wife takes care of him. And seeing him, you know, at 83 with Alzheimer's and stuff, it's a mm -hmm. little emotionally taxing because I remember this just elite human being of a man that was the ultimate father, the ultimate CEO, the ultimate word keeper, the ultimate giver, the ultimate networker. I mean, he's friends with Jerry Jones and, and all the big ballers in Dallas because everybody donates to Children's Hospital, right? So, yeah. you know, going to sit at the best seats at the Cowboy game with them and going and seeing the Christmas lighting at the hospital and coming to this, you know, I come from a very poor family and obviously he's well to do and, you know, being able to provide for his family with whatever gifts that they wanted for Christmas and stuff, man, that guy is literally outside of my current wife who I've been married to for nine years, been the single biggest influence of my entire life. I don't know. There's too many people walk around this world that can say their ex-father-in-law yeah. is like the single biggest influence <laughs> in their life. But me and the ex-wife, we get along perfectly. You know, we share the kid great. You know, we have a happy ha household. We don't always see eye to eye, obviously, because we're divorced. But, you know, we we made a decision when we split up. You know, she married this loan officer that I had this this W-2 paying stable job. And then I decided to become an entrepreneur, which, you know, has made me, you know, millionaire 10 times, you know, more than that over. But in the beginning, like everybody else that becomes an entrepreneur, it can become taxing on your family and your marriage and stuff. And so I sacrificed, you know, that to be able to do things that didn't work out. Now I'm obviously happily married to what I would consider an upgrade of a woman and all that kind of things that, you know, you're supposed to do. And someone that, that like I said, I've been with for nine years and have three other kids with. And, and now I get to be the George for my kids. Yeah, you know? that's cool. So, I love that. That's awesome. All right. Last question. If you could spend a whole day with someone dead or alive, who would it be and why? Definitely Jesus. You know, I know I cuss a lot. I'm from Texas. And so you're probably like, this dude's referenced God like five times, but he's also said fuck five times. But, you know, I think if Jesus was around today, he'd probably say fuck too. <laughs> All reality, you know. Um, Amen. But, you know, I'd like to know what it was like to be able to lead people the way that he did. I'd like to know what it was like to have to be able to suffer for other people's problems and and be the bearer of all that. And I just think that it would either be Jesus or King Solomon. One of those two people, I'd take mm -hmm. either one of them to, to learn from them. So, yeah. King Solomon for the wisdom, right? Yep. I like that. Yeah, we do something here. I have a 22,000 square foot building that I own and operate my businesses out of in Plano, Texas. And downstairs, we got a 300 seat auditorium that we throw our events and seminars and stuff in. And every Wednesday, I got a calling about six months ago from God to, to start teaching the book of Proverbs. I've read the book of Proverbs over 10,000 times, mm. just by the way. First billionaire I ever met is a guy named Stephen K. Scott. If you've ever seen the commercials on TV for the Total Gym, you know, Christy Brinkley, yeah. Chuck Norris, he's the owner of that. I ask him, you know, you're cliche. You meet a rich guy for the first time in your life. You're like, hey, man, what's the secret to success, right? So I, I did that dumb shit when I was younger and I asked him, but he gave me the most profound answer. He said, for two decades, Ryan, I have read the proverb of the day. So if it's January 5th, I read the fifth chapter of Proverbs. And I've done that every day for 20 years. And every time I learned something new, every time for 20 years. 
And I thought, well, if it worked for him, it'll work for me. And that was 2005. So I have been reading it probably 85% of the time because I got a little ADD and forget some days because, you know, life distracts me before being honest. I've read it 80 for 85% of the time. So I got a call in from God six months ago. It's like there's preachers everywhere that teach the Bible, but they're not really teaching common sense wisdom from Proverbs. So we started something at Wisdom Counseling. I feel like God called me to do it. And I thought I'd challenge God. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this at 7 a.m. on a Wednesday. Nobody will show up. It'll give me an excuse to be like, I tried God and I can move on with my life. And we had about three people at first one. And now we're pretty close to 100 people showing up nice. at 7 a.m. on a Wednesday here to listen to this. So it's been a trip. I'm going to end up having to move it to like 10 a.m. on a Saturday. I'm going to have to go all in and commit to the thing. <laughs> but, you know, I tried to weasel my way out of it. And God's like, no, no, we're going to make them show up regardless. So, <laughs> <laughs> No, that's awesome, man. It's so powerful. And it is true because so many of my friends, every time I'll read like a business book or Think and Grow Rich or something like that, and I'll go back and I'll be like, oh, I learned this. And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's in the Bible. <laughs> I'm like, it's in the Bible. It's all in the Bible. So, We're yeah. all just plagiarizing God's word as motivational speakers, fellas. That's it. It's, it was crazy how many, I think the, the, the connection was there, which was wild. But yeah, let's jump into it. So Ryan, for someone who doesn't know you, what do you do? Uh, it'd probably be easier to answer what I don't do. Hmm. Uh, I know this is probably a hard thought process for a lot of people to understand, but I, I am uh, an owner investor operator of 64 different companies. They all feed the same need. They all filter into one giant thing, but I own software companies, real estate portfolio, uh, event company, coaching company, mastermind company. I speak, I am a prolific investor. Uh, I'm a, a leader of people and, you know, I've got everything from pecan farms to cattle ranches to commercial buildings, single family residences. I own two apartment complexes worth about $200 million combined together. I am, and not by myself, you know, and not pay cash. You know how all that stuff works. And, you know, I don't want to, you know, lie or exaggerate things here for the, the internet like a lot of people do, but man, I do a lot of stuff, but it all feeds back into the same thing to allow me to get on podcasts like this and, and be able to say, you know, Hey, yeah, I, I have a real estate portfolio because I make money from from doing my other jobs. And I've invested in real estate since 2005, since I took that that job in the mortgage industry. And, you know, I own a software company because all this other technology that was out there to create funnels and landing pages and stuff was a little bit over my pay grade. So I went out and paid somebody to create my own and it does millions of dollars a year. Uh, we throw events and I got tired of hiring AV companies and spending hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars a year to throw events. So we started our own. We went and bought our own AV equipment, set up our own stuff. And then all the big guys now hire me or hire my team rather to run their stuff. So, you know, we throw events with literally in stadiums with thousands of people. And, you know, we've had pretty much any speaker, any athlete, anything that you can think of. We've probably had them on our stage, rappers that uh, I mean country music. I mean, it's, it's, it, we throw huge events. Our last event last year, our biggest one was uh, 1900 people that I threw. Now we, we ran other big events and stuff like that, but you know, it was 1900 people last year. We had a rod and we had yeah. Logan Paul and, nice. and a lot of other people this year we had, or in 2023 rather, because 2024 always gets confusing in the beginning of the year, right? Yeah. The new year. Yeah. But in 2023, we had, you know, Twista and Fat Joe and Master P and, and a bunch of other, you know, business speakers and motivational speakers. We've had Ed Milet and just about anybody that you can name. We've had them on our stage there. 
Uh, but really my job is to empower people. I don't obviously run all of these companies. I might own them, but I have operators in them. So my job is to constantly be pouring into people. But, yeah. you know, if I had to sum it up, that's a long ass explanation. But if I had to sum it up, I am prolific at making money from anything. Hmm. You know, uh, I, for example, I haven't flown in a commercial airline since 2020. And I sell seats on my private jet to fly with me. Hey, you want to fly? It's five grand a seat. I get my stuff paid for. I sell $3 million, two to $5 million a year in Rolexes, right? I sell, uh, you know, last year I sold a million and a half dollars worth of cars, Lamborghinis, Ferraris, McLarens, Rolls Royce. Like I, I sell a lot of these luxury goods to fuel my lifestyle so that I get luxury goods and it doesn't cost me anything. I can, you know, go out and buy 20 watches, 20 Rolexes. And while nobody's buying them from me at the time, I can, you know, advertise them, blah, 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 and then sell them and then, you know, go out and constantly have a new watch, do the same thing with cars, constantly have new cars, get to take trips and private jets all the time. Cause you know, maybe I'm going to speak on stage at a seminar with Andy Frisella or Ed Milet or ET or David Goggins or some of these guys that I've been on tour with. And, you know, I'll say, Hey, I'm flying to this thing. Does anybody want to go with me on social media and four or five people like, Hell yeah, I want to go see David Goggins speak. I'll spend five grand for a ticket to hang out mastermind and travel with you. So I've really figured out how to make money from everything. Last year, I bought a 400 acre ranch up in Ardmore, Oklahoma, and I bought it in case we, the end of the world happened. I wanted a place with 14 lakes, a creek and 160 head of cattle out there to where I could eat in case, you know, the world ended or whatever. Yep. But, you know, I figured out how to make $200,000 from hay this year. I made uh, just $150,000 from harvesting pecans from the trees. So like literally I have figured out how to turn anything and everything into making money. That's what, that's what I do. Wow. Damn. How do you develop that skill? Uh, innovation, you know, and it's out of necessity. So I have these 21 rules of money that I live by. So you can go on YouTube and type in Ryan Stuman 21 rules of money and, and they'll come up, you know, it would take me 30 minutes to get through all of them. Most people have money, but they don't do money. And if they do money, they don't have a system to do money by. And I've looked at, you know, I've done a quarter of a billion dollars worth of real estate and mortgage transactions in the 20 years that I've been in the business. It'll be 20 years in October. And I looked at some people that made $80,000 a year and had $2 million in their bank account. Then I looked at some people that made $2 million a year and didn't have $80,000 in their bank account. And so over the years, I've just like, okay, don't do this. Don't do that. This is a way to do money. This is a way not to do money. Just, you know, learning through the proximity of paying attention to the actual financial reports, credit reports, and applications that I've looked at of people who've made money. And I created a system that, and one of those things is like, you know, don't waste money. A lot of guys you see on the internet, they'll be flying in a private jet by themselves. They might've paid 40, 50, 60, $80,000 to just take that trip somewhere. And to me, that never made sense, right? Cause the commercial tickets, you know, first class, let's say it's $2,000. So I got to thinking, okay, how can I get for the same price I pay for a normal ticket, be able to fly in a Gulfstream or a Citation or whatever it is. And so I'll go rent a jet, put with eight to 12 seats in it. It's only me and my camera guy going. So I've got six to 10 seats that I can sell left. And I promise people, Hey, we'll take pictures of you in a private jet. We'll take, you know, video of you in a private jet. We'll mastermind, figure out how to make money in the six hours round trip. We got to be in the air. You can get a free ticket to go to the event with me. So it looks like I'm MC hammer. Cause I arrive with an entourage everywhere I go, <laughs> but really I do that just to subsidize my money. And, you know, because a lot of people, what happens is they start making more money guys. 
and then they upgrade their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make more money and not necessarily go where I wear, you know, built basics clothes that I bought two years ago. I'm not, I'm not a, a flashy person in that sense, but I wanted to be able to upgrade my lifestyle a little bit to the few things that I enjoy, like driving a nice car, wearing a Rolex, flying on a private jet. That's about the extent of it. Yeah. that without having to invest a ton of income and then become broke trying to look rich. And so I just put some pen to paper, put some innovation behind it and started to figure stuff out. As far as things like pecans, I feel like that's like, you know, I never thought I'd ever say, you know, I make six figures a year selling pecans. But yeah. in reality, I bought that ranch to be able to throw masterminds out there, you know, go out there, have a different exposure, a different scene outside of an office, outside of a hotel. And let's go out here, ride four wheelers shoot guns, whatever the case you want to do. I, I don't shoot guns. I'm a felon just for the record, FBI people, but, but you know, other, uh, he, he just focuses on other pecans. people. Yeah. yeah I'm, just, I'm just out there. You know, I, I hunt with a fishing pole. Yeah. And so, you know, but somebody can bring their guns out there and shoot and things of that nature. And so I just want to give people kind of a different experience, you know? So I move out there. I don't move out there, but I go out there. And one day I meet my neighbor, which is crazy because I live in the city. I live in, in Collin County here in Texas and I've lived there for six years and I don't know my neighbor's name. I don't, I don't, I have one neighbor. He lives right next to me. We share a fence and I couldn't tell you what he looks like or his name because, because I've never went and introduced myself to him because they have a bunch of vote for the opposite political party than I believe signs <laughs> in their yard. So I just leave him alone because I know we're not going to get a, along at this day and age as it is. Right. So but I go and I move out here and get this 400 acres on this ranch. And, you know, you can't see a house anywhere. It doesn't matter from my fence line to the gate. You can't see a house anywhere. Yeah. And one day I'm riding my four wheeler across the land and I see my neighbor riding his little, you know, mule or whatever it's called. Those little, you know, four by four things yeah. out on his land. And I pull up to the fence and I'm like, hey, I'm your new neighbor. My name's Ryan. He said, my name's Steve. I said, what do you do for a living? He said, I farm pecans. And I thought, okay, shit, you must be broke as hell. And <laughs> I, cause that's a weird ass answer. You know what I'm saying? But he said, my family has had this ranch, his ranch neighbor's mine. He said, my family's had this ranch since Oklahoma became a state. Mm. And I thought, well, that's really cool. It's like something I'd like to do with this to my family to hand it down to him. You know, that's why I bought it. And, uh, and I said, pecan farm, is there any money in that? And he said, well, you got 400 trees on your land. There's money in it for you. If you want me to come over and, and I've got the equipment. I can do it for you. And we can split it 50, 50. And I went, well, shit, free money's better. No money. Mm. And so this year, first year in five years, it was an abundant harvest, meaning it's more than ever before. So they've been out there for the last two weeks, shaking trees, collecting pecans. And it all just came from me just going to say hello to a, a fellow neighbor. And that's funny in the city. I don't talk to my neighbors in the yeah. country. 400 I acres away there's like hey yeah <laughs> you know and he's got you know a couple hundred acres too and we just happen to run into each other and it's like now we're friends we do business together the guy i bought my ranch from he said i'd like to leave my cows out here and rent the land back from you and i was like cool you know let, give me a couple of cows a year for letting me do that so that i've got food if i need them or i can breed them if i need them and you know maybe one day i'll buy into the herd with you and he goes okay cool he goes but in the front 150 acres of your property we bail hay every year I'll split that with you 50, 50. And I'm like, okay, cool. We'll split 50, 50 on the hay. Then hell, I don't, what do I need hay for? They're not my cows. And I got land there. Yeah. I didn't know hay sold for like $80 a bale. I didn't know that. Right. Cause I, I live in the city, you yeah. know, and, and I, I'm from the country, but that's 40 years ago. And so, you know, just finding these little things out, it's just like, Lynn, I believe that God leaves clues and it could have been real easy for me to say, Oh, pecan farmer, good luck with that. And then burn off. 
Yeah. But, you know, just having that conversation could be really, yeah, you can have, hey, what do I care? But I feel like if you really pick up those clues, they're clues to success. Yeah. No, I love that. Now, that's the longest answer ever for what do you do for a living? But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, that's so valuable. You do a lot. Yeah. There was a saying that says that uh, leadership isn't about building businesses. It's about building people to build the business. Is that a skill that you feel like you had naturally or how did you develop that? So there's two types of leaders on this planet. There is a natural born leader. We'll say like, you know, maybe an Ed Milet or a, a Jesus was a natural born leader, right? Like ever since he was a little kid, he was teaching the rabbis in the synagogue and stuff. And then there's a situational leader. And like Moses was like, you know, he was a murderer and, you know, just a regular dude, but he was thrown into a position where God called him to lead. And he, he had to, he had a choice to answer that call or to, you know, continue doing whatever he was doing, being drunk and murdering people in his life and stuff. And so one day I'm having a talk with a pastor I know, and the pastor is explaining this to me. And I said, well, that's me. I'm a situational leader. You know, I, I lost my job in the mortgage industry because of the felony I had. Dodd-Frank went into play and they, they uh, wouldn't give me a license when they switched over. I said, so I was thrown in a situation where I was forced to lead. You know, I, I never wanted to be a business owner. I never wanted to be a manager. I just want to be a salesman. I thought that was the greatest job. Still do. Wish I could go back to it. Thought that's the, the greatest job to have. Somebody else pays the bills. Somebody else writes my check. And all I got to do is go out here and make commission. That's like my lifelong dream. That was as big as I was thinking. Then I was thrown into a situation where couldn't get a job, couldn't go. I knew three things, washing cars, selling dope and mortgages. And I'd failed at two of them and washing cars wasn't going to sustain the lifestyle that yeah. I, even though I'm in the middle of buying a car wash right now, you know, nice. so, uh, but a little different when you own it versus working there. Yeah. And so the pastor looks at me and he goes, dude, I have never met a more natural born leader in my life. What kind of delusion are you living in? And sometimes one person can say the right combination of words that will unlock a closed mind in an instant. And it just, this person was someone I looked up to, someone I trusted, someone that I, I, you know, was being mentored by. And I thought, man, if this person thinks that, I wonder what other people think. Yeah. This person knows me very well. Your pastor knows you very well if you have a relationship with them. This person knows me inside and out. And he thinks that of me. I wonder what the people around me think about me. And it just, it just changed my life, my mind and made me step into being a better leader. You know what I mean? Not not that I was terrible to begin with, but I was like, man, I need to own this position. I need to own this skill set that I have, and I need to get better at it, develop it, and deploy it into the marketplace. You know, even when I first started in the as, as an entrepreneur for probably the first seven years in the game, I had one employee, an assistant, hmm. you know, and now I've got, I don't know, probably 100, 200 employees. If you tallied them all up across all the companies that I'm responsible for, I've got 50 of them in-house here in this building that I work in. So you know, and just today I had a board meeting with some of the older employees that have worked here, not like in age, but in time that they've been in the company. Mm. And, you know, I just, I had a very heart to heart meeting with them on some things that were going down and some things that need, you know, stuff you do when you run a business. And one of the gentlemen that's worked for me for four and a half years, he goes, man, we couldn't ask for a better leader. And the way that you just exhibit yourself in here, man, you're just like, I say this all the time, but this is one of the best leadership moments that I've ever seen you have, you know, and it's just it in a lot of that just comes with honesty, transparency, and actually giving a shit about your people, you know? Yeah. And a huge part of, of leadership is obviously, you know, being able to hire. And if you have 64 companies, I think you said before, you've obviously hired a lot of really great people as well. And, and, and specifically people who can operate businesses as well. 
I'm not really good at hiring, to be honest with you, because I, I see Ryan at the car wash and everybody, but everybody doesn't see that in themselves, you know? Mm. Uh, but I've gotten good at hiring a few people that are really good at hiring other people, and I'm good at leading anybody. Mm. It's like if, if Sean Pollard, the COO of my company, if he hires somebody and he's like, this is the guy, then I'll lead him. You know what I mean? But but I want to give everybody a shot, and sometimes that shot me in the foot, the back, the back of the head several times, as yeah. you guys, I'm sure, as business owners know. But if you put that buffer in between you, I, my, one of my guys I lean on for advice is Patrick Bet David. Hmm. And he told me about six months ago, he said, you know, what you need to do is you need to go out and hire an HR recruiter just to work in your company. And that person's in charge of hiring and firing. Let them be the one that decides whether someone's worthy of your leadership or not. And just little things like that have really, really changed the game for me because you know, like I said, I want to give everybody a shot. I don't care what your background, ethnicity, religion, whether you're a felon, not a felon, but I want to give everybody a shot. But if he can remove the, because I see greatness in everybody because God put greatness in everybody. Yeah. But if he can see greatness potential versus they don't really care, right? Then then when he puts somebody in a position, he's like, this is the guy we're going to lead. Then I'll show up and develop that greatness in him and trust his judgment. So. Love that. That's strong. Patrick uh, wrote a book recently talking about uh, the choosing your enemies uh, wisely. Yep. Just finished it. Beautiful. Who would you say is your enemy or, or do you not want to share it publicly? Um, you know, my enemy is real simple. It's not a person. Hmm. I invented this. I trademarked it. And in 2017, you know, in the book, The Art of War, it says you have to know your enemy and identify them. And then you have to identify what their strongest weapon against you is. It's in the 48 Laws of Power, Art of War, all of these books, right? And my whole life, if you guys hadn't caught on, you know, adopted, prison, on top of the world at the car wash, on top of the world, the mortgage industry. What I didn't say is I went back to prison again. Turns out there's some laws about firearms, which now I know well. Hmm. But in Texas, you can have a gun five years outside of your conviction. Turns out the ATF doesn't recognize that law. So I end up having to go back to federal prison. Yeah. Then when I get out of for, for a gun that wasn't even mine, but there was a picture of me holding it, stupid story, but basically a crime I didn't even commit. I go back to prison for 15 months. I lost um, a wife. I lost 32 homes that I own. I walked in a millionaire. I walked out 2007. I walked in a millionaire married 2008. I walked out divorced, cheated on him with $25 to my name. Mm. And so when I say I've built back this lifestyle that I have, I've built six damn times. And this time I'm not letting it go. But I, in 2017, I was close to losing again. And I thought, man, I've lived this roller coaster. Sometimes in the sales world, you know, you have a high month of commission, then you're broke for two months, especially in real estate. You have a high month in the summertime, you're printing money in the wintertime, you're starving to death, right? Mm -hmm. And I got tired of riding life's roller coaster of that. And so in 2017, I sat down and I thought, how can I identify what's taken me to the low points in life? And what weapon was used and formed against me to get me to those low points in my life? And how can I find a way to not ever have to go through this shit again? Right. Yeah. And so I came up with this thing called that I call the force of average. Mm. You see, imagine Earth is a blue microchip, right? Like I got a friend that owns an artificial intelligence company since uh, 1993. If you go back in his server area, he's got 150 rocket scientists that work for him. Right. Just to put it in perspective. If you go back with a lab coat on in the freezer part of his his server area, it's these big black boxes and they're blue little blinking lights on there. And I thought that looks a lot like Earth, you know, just a little blue blinking light from space when we see satellite pictures, you know. 
And I thought, what if on this, you know, I'm sure the artificial intelligence in that server thinks that it's alive and that it's intelligent too, just like we do. Yeah. And I thought, you know, what if this world has an algorithm just like Google or Meta or whatever, and this algorithm is how we're coded and the rules of this thing. And, and life really on this planet's designed, especially in America, is designed to keep you average. You're going to make $100,000 a year. You got $2,500 in health insurance. You got $2,500 in child care and taxes that you pay every month. You got a car payment, a mortgage payment. And you can never leave that job that you hate. You're trapped in this average life. You can never go out. Like if you're below average, they'll give you, you know, homeless people get, you know, I don't know, government, the government stipes. They get, you know, free coffee at Starbucks. They don't have to pay a rent. They don't have to pay more. The government will do everything that this world will do everything it can to lift you up out of poverty, mm. but tries to trap you at average. Well, once you try to escape average, which is the path to greatness, then there's this gravitational force to try to push you back in. Like so many people leave their job with this great idea to go start a business and then it fails. And they're like, you know what? I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to go right back into this average lifestyle and learn how to be fucking happy with it. Right. Yeah. And so for me, I had rolled that ridden that roller coaster and I thought, man, this world is designed to keep us average. What are things that I can do to continue to chase greatness? And that weapon, the force of average has against us is distraction. And you get distracted with something, you get sidetracked by something, you lose your focus on something. I think, okay, so if my enemy is the force of average and it's, it's weapon against me, it's best weapon against me is to distract me. What do I need as a human being? And I'm like, it's focus, you know, because if you're, you ever been in the zone, man, you can accomplish anything or inflow, yeah. whatever they call it these days. Yeah. Like, dude, you can write books, you can make programs, you can write speeches, you can run companies, you can code stuff. Like when you're in the zone and focus, anything is possible. So focus is a superpower, right? And so if my enemy is the force of average, what do I need to focus on to make, to make sure that I stay in flow and that I stay focused? And I broke it down to basically four things that I call the G code, the code to greatness, right? Mm -hmm. And it is a grateful mindset because listen, most people, they don't understand. They're looking for this work-life balance. Uh, a guy that I've been on tour with a lot in the speaking circuit, Tim Grover once was on stage and he said, balance is bullshit. A scale when balanced is at zero. Who the fuck wants to be a zero? And I thought that could have shit. That's for me. That word right there <laughs> yeah, is for good. me. Yeah. And, and the true balance that we're trying to find is the balance between chasing greatness without getting too comfortable where we're at, right? We'll see people make a million dollars and then they just never, they plateau and they just stay there. So the real balance we're looking for is being in pursuit of what's next, but not getting too comfortable with what's now. And if you're grateful for what's now while chasing what's next, that's what we're really looking for. So it's a grateful mindset. Number two is your genetics, man. Nothing worse than a fat, rich guy. I'm just going to say it. You know what I mean? Because like, listen, all the money that you're making in your 20s, 30s, 40s and 50s, you're going to be paying to doctors and hospice and everything else in your 60s, 70s and 80s if you don't take care of yourself. There's a, a meme that I've seen and it's two people that are, I'll just use real time, like Joe Biden, 78 years old, that guy's losing his damn mind. Jimmy Johnson he's was lost at the ring of, <laughs> ring of Honor the other day and he's out there talking about, how about them Cowboys? Jimmy Johnson is on TV every week as an NFL commentator. He's 80 years old. He's in good shape, still goes to the gym, still reads every day, right? So your genetics matter, right? You have to take care of yourself. Uh, the third thing is your grind. You know, a lot of people will say money don't grow on trees. We are trees and we grow money. That's what we do as humans. Mm -hmm. A tree, it grows roots, it grows branches, it grows leaves, and it produces fruit. 
we are the trees. It's even, this is a biblical principle in the first of Psalms, the first chapter of Psalms. It says, may your tree be planted by rivers of living water. Rivers of living water is multiple streams of income for us humans. We are the trees. We are the trees that money grows from. It's our job to go out there and produce money because money won't make you a better person. But if you're a better person and you make money, it'll only make you even that much better, right? Mm. So your grind. And the fourth thing is the group of people you spend your time with. So because you know how it is, you become the sum of the five people that you spend, the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So if every day I can focus on having the right mindset, Every day I can focus on taking care of my body, eating right. And eating right doesn't have to be like some keto diet or anything. It's just like have three pieces of pizza instead of four. You know, eat a single cheeseburger instead of a double cheeseburger, small fry instead of a large, right? Diet Coke instead of Coke, right? Water instead of Diet Coke. It doesn't have to be some dramatic change. Let's make sure you, it's a real simple equation. Mm -hmm. Calories consumed minus calories burned equals calories retained. Whatever we consume in a day, we just need to make sure that we burn it off and we'll stay healthy. A lot of people, they eat junk food and then they never get up from their desk for the day. And so the the third thing, your grind, we need to make money. Everything on this planet, other than the clouds, the stars, the sun and the sky and air is taxed and costs money to have, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Trust me, as a rancher, those fences, most people drive down the street and they don't realize the bolts and the street signs cost money. The paint for the street signs costs money. The concrete we're driving on costs money. You pass a, a, a pasture and that fence around the pasture, that costs money. Like everything costs money around here. So we have to grind to be able to make that money because it's a grind to make money. And then every day, if I can focus on my mindset, my body, my money, and the people that I spend time with, then that's what I got to focus on every single day. I created an app, fellas. It's absolutely free, but I created an app and on this app, it's called the G code app and you can get it at dailygcode.com. It's free. I don't got nothing to sell you or anything like that, but I've been doing this for, as you can see, a thousand and twenty five days. I've actually been doing it for sixteen hundred and twenty five days. About six hundred days ago, I broke my neck, so I missed the day. And, you know, I at four points a day, you get one point for each thing that you check off. I've got 5,573 points in this. So I, I like my, I take enemies seriously. I'm glad that you asked that. And my enemy is the force of average. So I make sure that I, and what gets measured gets improved. So I make sure that I measure my focus every single day so that I can just run up the score on my enemy, the force of average. Mm, Love that. I I think we got our title of the episode. Yeah. Right. The, The force of average question for you. Now the, let's assume that today is your last day and your four kids come up to you and you have to give them one resource, one tool, one piece of advice that would set them up for life, what would that be? They already have it. If my kids were here right now, I pull them in here and say, what's your core values? They'd say responsibility, integrity, service, and excellence. They wouldn't need to think about it. They're two, six, 11, and 12. They have lived this. They watch me. I go home at night. I do family huddle with my kids every single night. We ask them what their praise and what their what their uh, prayer is. Hey, what's the best thing that happened to you today? What do you want me to pray for you about? Every day I'm driving these core values into my kids, man. They already have it. So that when if I do die on the way home today, then I didn't have to. I, I'm already going to leave them with money. I'm rich. So I'm already going to leave them with money. But but anybody can have money. I wanted to leave them with core values and a standard to live life by. They already know about the force of average. The two-year-old, she's catching on. You get that, right? But the the six, 11, and 12-year-old, you can like it's so impressive to people. And every time somebody meets my kids, they go, how did you do that? Mm. It's because I do life intentional because that fourth part that I said, the group of people you spend time with, the group of people I spend the most time with is my wife and kids. So why wouldn't I pour into them instead of going home? And I watch Netflix. 
I watch TV, all of that stuff, but I pour into my kids. I want to know what their life's like. I want to know my kids aren't being raised by an iPad or something like that. Like last weekend, my kids run heavy equipment on the ranch. My 11 and 12 year old have been riding four wheelers since they were three. My two year old daughter just got a four wheeler for Christmas. Like (laughs) these guys, they work. They, 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 I have seven acres here. I'm sorry. I have four acres here in the city where my 22 thousand square foot building is. My kids mow the yard all summer on zero turn lawnmowers. My 11 and 12 year olds, my, my six year old blows the parking lot off from all the grass and everything. Like they understand my kids wake up at six 30 every single morning without an alarm, just like that. Cause it's been programmed in them since day one. So it's not a, if they came up to me and it's my last moment, all I'd want them to know is that I love them, but I've left right. them with everything that I can leave them with. Even at an early age. Love that dude. That's powerful, man. Very powerful. Awesome. Man. That's awesome. Well, this has been great. We really do appreciate, man, you spending some time with us today. I think that uh, when you do so much and, and you go so wide with all these different companies, it, it sometimes is hard for us to, to fathom to, how that's possible. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and really kind of focus on what we're really going to talk about. But, you know, I think the four G's there at the end was really, really powerful. Yeah. No, that is. And it's so true. The, the one thing that stands out to me amongst everything else, it's the fact that your kids have core principles and every organization when you build it, they tell you to start off with core principles first because what you hire and fire by, that just tells everything about you in itself. So that's that's pretty insane to the core, you, you know. Watch this, watch this. Okay, I'm on my laptop just so we can, this ain't an act. Hey, where y'all at? Hey, real quick, what's what's core value number one? Pride. Okay. I mean, sorry, art, responsibility. What's number two? Integrity. What's number three? Service. All right, hold on, let me, come on. Hey. Hey, you, Randall, who's down the hallway here? <laughs> like we, go in the we, bathroom. We live this. Break. Hey, hey, what? This, this He's going in the guy. bathroom. Hey, what, what, what's core value number four? Don't you look at that. What's core value number four? Core value number four? Oh, he's turning his headphones off. He wasn't looking at his phone. Uh, service. No, hey, one more. Excellent. Yeah, your, your math's off. Yes. <laughs> See, so from, from the janitor to the media team to the CEO to the CEO, man, we live this stuff. My kids, my employees everybody this is something that i take serious and people come work here that guy that, that had to turn his airpods off here and was trying to figure out since i put him on the spot yeah. first day he came in the job i said you're the new janitor here huh what made you decide to take this job because i want to change my life good for him that's, that's proximity awesome. that's what we're doing dude i love that man. beautiful if someone wants to connect with you what's the best way to do so i love how he did that <laughs> uh, instagram at hardcore closer slide in my dms we answer all the dms there you know we care about people we want to help people and you know we have tons of free resources that we give people we have tons of shit for sale too obviously but you know if, whether you're on a shoestring budget or you're a billionaire we got something that can help you out free or paid so just slide in my dms hardcorecloser.com you can follow me on there i try to put out at least one piece of good content every single day and that's the best place to hit me up beautiful dude we appreciate you this has been absolutely awesome thank you, got you so much up. for your time pumped up yeah absolutely hopefully hopefully we gave some value to your audience and maybe some deep insight for them to think about things a little differently i appreciate you giving me an opportunity to do that no we're happy you spent it with us man that's awesome